This is Alex. And this is James. And you're listening to the American Toffee Podcast. James, how has your week been thus far? Man, it's been a crazy busy week at work. We're still dealing with the aftermath of the holiday season, people doing returns and and whatnot. I don't think I've told listeners, but I work in e-commerce. So the aftermath of the holiday season is always kind of a nightmare as far as customers returning stuff and all that. So so I've been really busy finishing up a pretty big project, kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel. So um, I'm excited about that. What about you? How are things been at work for you? That's good to hear about your project. And you're, you're going to get some pretty cool visibility, right? With upper management. Yeah, man, I'm trying to climb the corporate ladder. Really exciting stuff. Working for the man, selling your soul, James. Yeah. Hey, you got to do what you got to do. I need that paycheck. Because unfortunately, podcasting, not the most lucrative business, but a passion nonetheless. Yeah, at this point, it's uh, not lucrative at all, but it's okay. We do it for our, we do it for our fans. Otherwise, yeah, work's been all right for me. It's been kind of stressful, which is usually not the case, but that's okay because I realized on my way home from work today that I finally get to talk to you about Everton, which is one of my favorite things during the week. And then we have a match on Saturday in which I think that fans alike can all feel pretty confident about. What do you think? Yeah, there's the there's the hope that we can finally start to maybe garner some momentum. The win last weekend, while not the prettiest, was very hard fought. And I'm hoping that, that Marco Silva is able to sort of harness the momentum that has been been gathered from that victory and take it all the way down to Southampton and make it count and pick up another three points. Yeah, so I was doing some research into the club history of Southampton. Some fans may hate, may hate me for this, but I've also, I've always had somewhat of a soft spot for Southampton in general. I don't know why. Maybe not this season, looking back at previous matches, but I found out that they were actually nicknamed the Saints because in the 1800s, I believe it was 1885, they were actually founded as St. Mary's Church football team. Yeah, uh, Southampton Saints has a much better ring to it than St. Mary's Church football team. I'll say that much. And it is it is kind of a theme in English football. A lot of the teams were formed from church teams, though not many have adopted quite such a literal uh, nickname. See, I, I didn't know that piece either. And now, you know, it all comes together because we are playing against them in St. Mary's Stadium. In terms of club success throughout the years, They have won the FA Cup once in 1976. Otherwise, their biggest accomplishment was coming runner-up in the first division, and that was a good while ago. Yeah, so not the the most amount of history, but nonetheless, they have had some very good players come through their ranks, including one of our current players, their youngest player to ever put on a shirt for Southampton, being Theo Walcott at less than 16 16 and a half years old, which is a remarkable accomplishment, um, certainly a prodigy for them, known by some as Liverpool's feeder club uh, due to the amount of players that were bought off of them. And they, they've they had a really good youth academy over the course of the last couple of decades, and, and it seems like that may not be the case as much anymore. They haven't had quite the amount of prolific youngsters come through their ranks. Um, and I know that that's an area of concern for many fans because that was one of their 
biggest areas of pride was their ability to produce good talent from their academy. Hopefully for their sake, they can sort of revamp that and have that come through again because they need something to root for. Um, and, it, and it has been a pretty rough season for them going on so far. And they won't really be looking forward to playing Everton considering our record against them all time is 43, 20 and 26. So they haven't had the, the greatest time against the Toffees. Their biggest loss ever tied. They've lost eight nil twice. One of them was to us. Yeah, I feel pretty confident. You stole the words right out of my mouth when you're talking about their youth academy and Liverpool's feeder club. We prefer to use Barcelona. Liverpool can have Southampton as far as I'm concerned. In terms of the record, it makes me feel pretty good. Although this season, we've beat them once in the league 2-1, to one, and then we lost to them on penalties, I believe, in the League Cup. So not quite definitive. They were, be- they were playing pretty poorly, but now they've got Ralph Hasenhutl, the man from Leipzig. He's been at the club for less than, I think, six weeks or so. He came in early December, but he's got some pretty good wins out of him. He beat Arsenal. They just beat Leicester City last weekend, and they were down to 10 men at halftime. Yeah, they've had, you know, the new manager boost is is a well-known well-known phenomenon, and they've certainly benefited from that over the last several games. However, the other day, they did crash out of the FA Cup to Frank Lampard's Derby County side in penalties. Um, and so perhaps that new manager bounce is starting to wear off, and that's where we come in looking to, again, capitalize on our win against Bournemouth last weekend and hopefully send them back towards the bottom of the table where they belong. No, but we know that they are not nearly the quality of us on paper, and there's really no reason why we shouldn't be able to pick up three points from this game, in my opinion. I think your opinion matches my opinion. Now, before we move on to our prospective lineups, just one more fun fact. If everyone looks back to last season, Lookman actually played under Ralph Hasenhutl, in which he obviously was able to get the best out of Lookman. Yeah, and there were actually some rumors swirling around that perhaps Hasenhutl wanted to make Adam Lookman kind of his marquee signing in the January transfer window. Of course, after his efforts to to get him over to Germany uh, on loan and then his diligence and determination to bring him over on a permanent deal, you know that he's a big fan of Adam Lookman. It'll be interesting when I think more than likely Adam Lookman lines up against his side what you know he's going to have something to prove he's going to want to perform against his former manager and those things uh I, i'm very much looking forward to seeing how the how things play out so james speaking of lookman talking about the possibility for him to start what would your ideal lineup be at saint mary's stadium on saturday well you have to you have to continue with jordan pickford i think he's starting to work through some of the problems the the concerning trends maybe that we're seeing over the month of December last game I thought he played quite well looking aggressive coming out of net so of course goes without saying we're not going to play Stecklenburg and then I think Seamus Coleman did enough last game to keep his spot as well I'm of the belief that we have to keep the partnership of Michael Keating and Kurt Zuma together they've been our most solid defensive partnership nothing against Yeri Mina I just think that at the moment the relationship between Michael Keane and Kurt Zuma seems to be working and there's no real reason that we need to rotate 
Um, unless one of them is fatigued or picks up a knock or something like that, I think you have to keep it. And then, of course, Luca Dean, probably our signing of the season at this point, has to play. He'll be back and terrorizing the le- the right side of Southampton. What do you think about the midfield? So I'm going to agree with your defense. In terms of the midfield, I'm going to go with the general Ghana and Gomez pairing, but I'm going to switch it up this week. And I'm going to call for Bernard at the attacking midfield kind of floating role. That's because we saw Sigurdsson actually really off color last weekend, I think. Furthermore, Calvert-Lewin comes on, scores a goal. You know, we'll get into the forwards, but I think give Bernard the chance to start at the attacking midfield role, see how it how it works out, and let Sigurdsson continue or actually fight for his place. What do you, What about you? I think we we mentioned ta- talking about potentially Bernard filling in that number ten role in our post match of of the Bournemouth game, and I think it's this might be a really good opportunity for us to to experiment with that and give it a go. I thought Sigurdsson, though he had an horrific first half by his standards the second half was a little bit better you know that no matter what you do he's going to have that work rate that persistence the ability to press and be aggressive in his physical presence you know against the back line of Southampton I think Sigurdsson will probably keep his place and still I think with Bernard up top we do kind of lose some of the balance defensively Bernard has a great work rate as well and does so many things well, but I I just don't know if you can drop Sigurdsson off the back of one poor half when he's been one of our lead, our second leading goal scorer and one of our best players to get assists. And then you you know you put Bernard centrally. I think to use you know using his creative abilities that's that's the area he can really thrive because we know that we want to be able to score from the wings, and he doesn't look like the type of player that's going to score so. It would just be kind of out of left field almost to see maybe he's trying to keep his play his cards, you know, keep his cards close to his chest. I don't know. I'm going to stick with the tried and true lineup as far as midfield goals of Ghana Gomez and Sigurdsson. Now, when we shift to talking about the front three, where do you th- see things playing out there? So I'm going to go on my assumption that Bernard was in midfield for my lineup, my predetermined lineup here. I'm choosing Calvert-Lewin up top. He came off the bench to score a goal, and he has four goals this season. Nothing impressive, but with the amount of minutes he's had, it's it's pretty good. Lookman keeps his place because he got the official Premier League man of the match last weekend. And then lastly, I want to see Richarlison on the left in his pre- preferred position because he is top scorer at the club this season so far with nine goals in the league. He's still in fine form, and I'd like to see him terrorize the Southampton defense. This is where it becomes tough and and really the area where we've had the most debate amongst fans about who should play. I'm going to say that we we keep the front three of Bernard, Richarlison, and Adam Lookman. I think this is going to be a different type of game to the Bournemouth game. I know that the the critiques of Richarlison up top aren't even necessarily critiques of him as a player. It's just the way that we're utilizing him. It's clear he's not a target man. He doesn't do his best work with his back to goal, trying to get rough with center backs from the opposition. He needs to be able to receive the ball, turn, and have lanes of space to attack. That being said, I think that he will retain his place up top 
Calvert-Lewin, really like him. I expect him to get multiple starts throughout the course of the second half of the season. But for this specific game, I think we won last time. Even if Richarlison isn't isn't doing a ton on the ball, what he offers off the ball, the, that persistent threat of being able to get in behind on the counterattack, of being able to just his presence alone is an asset for us. And then on top of that, if we can get some of the the movement of our front four and maybe switch around, say, Lookman and Richarlison, bring Richarlison wide, let another player come central, then you start to see a defense that, that they won't really know what to expect. They don't know who's going to be coming at them at any time. And so long story short, I'm going to stick with the front three and perhaps bring in Calvert-Lewin off the bench depending on how things go as early as the 60th minute. That's fair and all good points too. I also realized my front three would have been a combined age of what, about 63. In other words, 21 21 years old across the board, which is extremely young. But Richarlison surely doesn't play like he's 21 now, does he? Moving on to Southampton, since Ralph has come on board, they've been playing a 3-4-3 formation, which seems to be a much more popular formation in the Premier League. Yeah, and and the three at the back formation, of of course, one that we've experimented with as well this season. I personally just don't think that it... Maybe it's leftover angst and resentment from previous regimes when, for example, Ronald Koeman would switch to to a five at the back formation or three at the back formation, whatever you want to call it, out of nowhere and we get absolutely battered and it just seems like players aren't accustomed to it. But but in regards to Southampton, it's been tough for us to play against teams who play with that f- type of formation this season. It has. We've struggled pretty much all season against back threes, and I think that's because they really kind of bunker down. And with some of the younger players we have up front and then none of the strikers really being in form, it leads to less confidence being able to take the shot when it really matters, which has been our issue for a couple of years, to be fair. Now, I'm not going to try to predict the lineup for Southampton, but I would like to say that their two danger men are pretty, in my opinion, Nathan Redmond, who plays on the right-hand side. He has a ton of pace, and he's inconsistent like most wingers, but he's definitely a key figure for them. And then for me, James, a tweet from a stat that I saw earlier today, James Ward-Prowse, he plays central midfield for Southampton. He's actually quite young too, came through their academy. He's making more key passes per 90-minute match than any other player in the league with 3.2. So obviously Southampton aren't finishing those those chances that he's creating, but still two players on their day that can be fantastic. Yeah, and they of course also have Danny Ings cast off from the evil side across the park, um, and, and he can score a goal on his day as well. So we will have to be vigilant of the threat that Southampton pose, but they don't really... On paper, they just don't really intimidate you. They don't seem like the type of side that we really should or could lose to. I think just even looking at like Bournemouth last week, they have the type of players who have real quality and you can tell from watching them that that those types of players can score at any given time. I don't get the feeling that Southampton being near the bottom of the table, really just in an all-out war trying not to get relegated, though those those pressures have started to ease since they the uptick in form since Hassan Hutel arrived. This is a team Got to beat them, need to win, but it is a way. 
Our waveform hasn't been great. Like you said, Nathan Redmond, well-rounded quality player, did miss the penalty that put them out of the FA Cup. So whether there's any residual effects from that is is a valid question. I think that their mentality will be pretty strong. They're not worried about any competitions outside of the league now. So that's their primary focus. And and James Ward-Prowse, I actually was reading an interesting article talking about the sort of his untapped pot- potential a few years ago, he was touted as the next big England midfielder, and that really hasn't quite materialized for him. His his development may be stalled a little bit, but that stat speaks volumes. If he can start to create chances and, and get in behind, and that midfield matchup I think is going to be a really key one. Can we neutralize any kind of threat? Can we really dominate the midfield? Because that's where the game is, of course, won and lost. That's a good point, and I think a huge part of the fact that you know we've struggled against back threes has been because when they play four across the midfield, it kind of drowns out our central midfielders. And then furthermore, it, it kind of makes our wing backs very much it stifles our wing backs because it, it essentially closes the space for them to be able to get up and down as as they please. I'd also like to highlight my tactical matchup is going to be Everton strikers versus the three Southampton center backs, assuming they do go with the back three that they have been. You know, the the big questions, can they deal with the physicality of the center backs, right? Richarlison, if you're talking about Bernard and Lookman, none of them have any physical presence whatsoever. And then another huge question for me is, can Lookman produce another great performance to keep his level consistent after winning man of the match? Because If we look back to last season in the first half of the season before he got shipped off to Leipzig, for example, he would start one match or he would get one substitute appearance and he would do great. And then the next one, it felt like he couldn't produce a 10-yard pass. And so that is a huge piece for us, I think. What do you think, James? Yeah, I would even go as far to say as Lookman specifically could be the most important player for us this game. Not just because of what we know he has in overall quality, but I mentioned this in our in our post match. But he seems to be against Bournemouth, seemed to be the only player who wasn't really hampered by the confidence issues that have plagued our side since the downtick in form post Derby. His confidence, his belief in himself as a player, I think in, in Southampton's struggle against individual skill players who can break you down by themselves, and if there's ever a player like that. In our side, it's Adam Lookman all day long. His diverse skill set on the ball makes him a very dangerous proposition for any defender. But then you're looking at center backs having to come out maybe into some of the wider spaces and mark him. I think he could eat them alive. Yeah, he definitely could. And that's and and I want nothing more than for Lookman to progress to the point where maybe we don't even have to have the conversation over the summer about signing a right winger to replace or start over Theo Walcott, right? I would love for Lookman to make it his spot and do his thing. So James, I I would like to make kind of a shameless theoretical point. Other, Other people, including maybe yourself, might hate me for it. But I'd like to point out that with three points this weekend and favorable results, we could move up to seventh again. How dare you? bring something like that up no it's true and it really kind of just shows what an absolute mess the middle of the table outside of the top sixes and outside of the bottom three it is all over the place there's very few points separating any of the sides and so it's really like you said 
a couple of weeks ago, we're sitting in 12th and we're thinking, oh boy, here's Everton. Maybe we'll get 13th this season. But within two games, you can be right back up where we were. And, and seventh place would be, I think, is no, I know that that's really, you know, the, the pinnacle that we're going to be able to reach the season realistically. And so that's still very, very much in play. We can still absolutely achieve that. And it just becomes, does the squad have the mentality to be able to maintain the level of performance that we know they're capable of and kind of shirk this this trend of playing down to our opponent's level and making things more difficult for ourselves than it needs to be? Because there's very few, I don't, you know, our combined 11 with Southampton, it would be for me, probably 11 Everton players. I'm, there's really, maybe I might look to, to add James Ward-Prowse into their midfield, but I'm not going to take him over Gilfie Sigurdsson or Bernard, Andre Gomez. Like, you know what I mean? There's just nothing there. There's no reason why we should beat, that we shouldn't beat them. I'm feeling <laughs> famous last words, calm before the storm, very confident in our ability, which a couple weeks ago, we were down in the dumps, but that kind of has turned around. I agree with everything you're saying. Combined 11 is Everton across the board. So I think the only thing we're going to have to look out for is the managerial battle, right? See what Ralph has. He's probably going to expect Lookman to start and he knows how Lookman plays, you know, technical ability and, and some pretty silky smooth moves that Adamola can produce. Can't really be countered by some managerial prowess, but Otherwise, I think we're in for a treat. So, James, as you said, famous last words. What do you think the scoreline is going to be? I hate doing this because it's, the trend has been for our score predictions. We're on a good run of form. We predict a win. Everton disappoint massively and we look like fools. Or we're in a downturn of form. We still continue to hold out hope, predict a win, and things go wrong. There's nothing more Everton than believing in the team, despite all evidence, maybe to the contrary. And this time we actually do have some evidence that we're in a very favorable position against this Southampton side. I think this the managerial bounce starting to fade for them. I'm going to go a definitive, clear 2-1 victory. I'm going to say that Richarlison scores, and I'm going to say that Gilfie Sigurdsson picks up another goal. Two leading scores, very typical both get on the score sheet and we pick up a win. What about you? That's funny because you, you called it a definitive win, but 2-1 is anything but definitive. And right. you know what, James? I thought you were going to sell out and I was just waiting for you to say Lookman was going <laughs> to soar, soar, score. because I was so close. Yeah, because you know, you're talking about how he's our most important player, but whatever, James. I'm going to go with an absolutely definitive scoreline of 3-1 to Everton. I think that the goal conceded is going to be off a set piece of some sort, which I think is a safe assumption. Uh, I'm not going to try to call the three goal scorers, but I have a sneaky suspicion Dominic Calvert-Lewin is going to be one of them, whether he starts or not. Yeah, I like it. We're one win and we're back to where we were before. All optimism here from the American Toffee podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, We'll be back on Saturday after the match. I am expecting about a foot of snow to to pour down in my area, so I'll be nice and uh, snowed in with a blanket, rooting for Everton. Very much looking forward to it. Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at USA Toffee Pod to stay up to date on the latest episode releases and Everton news. And we'll see you guys next time.